Hi folks and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. This is a conversation we had a couple of weeks ago with two gentlemen from UCC who simply by using the systems that we have or provided to us all have come up with a way of cutting down on illegal Airbnbs in their area. And not only have they done that, but they're going to tell you how you can do it. It's really, really simple and it could potentially bring thousands of units back into the long-term rental market. And we know in the middle of a housing emergency, that can only be a good thing. So do give it a listen. Any questions, you can get in touch with them on the contact within this podcast. Now I have to ask you for your support to help us keep this platform going. And the way you do that is you click the link at the top of the podcast. It says patreon.com forward slash tortoise Join us there and help help us pay the bills and keep the mics on and the conversations like the one you're about to hear keep happening. And it's not a one-way street. There's tons of additional content, including yesterday evening's conversation with Owen and Roman from The Ditch, the two gentlemen behind The Ditch website, and what's gone on with Niall Collins, and more importantly, what's not gone on with Niall Collins, the staggeringly, maybe shockingly, I should say. Plus, we're back with our regular rundown of the week's news in our Sunday show, and in that, you'll hear from our friend Sam McElwain, who will tell you about what happened at the agreement 25 years in Queen's University in Belfast. This might be the only podcast you'll ever hear someone mentioning Jerry Adams, Jamie Bryson and Coddle. And it really is well worth listening to. Thanks for listening. Please click the link. Please join us. We don't exist without your support. I won't delay any further. Enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Echo Chamber podcast. My name is Tony Groves and we are back as promised looking into the rental market, the the abyss that appears to be our rental market and uh, and I almost went full Nietzsche there and went uh, when you stare into when you gaze into the abyss Martin McMahon stares, stays stares back into you and he really is. Thank God this is only on audio folks. You don't want to see the the I would say a tadpole looking with, with headphones on and Martin McMahon. How are you, Thanks, Bob? Tony. Thanks for that. Listen, yeah, really interesting this. Um, you know, I, I, I heard, I read this story and then I just went, mm, this this is really interesting. So looking forward to this, Tony, really looking forward to it. Be- before we go there, I just want to I want to plug a couple of things. Had a great conversation with Sam McElwain. You'll know Sam. He's our uh, he he. I was going to say almost Martin. He's our loyalist correspondent. But well, was it? yeah, that's a fair that's a fair description and a, yeah. a, a very uh, nice considered guy that you can have a great conversation with. Yeah, and he was very good on 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 all things Northern Ireland, the Joe Biden visit, and the local elections. That's out now for patrons if you want to get on it, and then. Obviously, we've we've a lot coming up next week. There have been some changes in the INTO, uh, in the teachers' union, and our friend Jana Lyons uh, will be joining us early next week as well. Jana is she's she's a great communicator, and and I think she's uh, one of them. Martin, you 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 you've great time for Jana because she's proper hardcore in terms of employee rights. You proper know. hardcore, proper proper. Yeah, um, but look, we 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 are going to kick off um, on 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 a pretty good way of turning the tide hopefully and uh, it, it's the the idea of this is is we're joined by two i'm going to say activist campaigners and uh and, and what we have we've brian o'kane and we've patter cronin cronin and um, they're both down in in ucc and they've come up with a kind of innovative way to challenge what has actually happened in in terms of the short-term rental section so and uh, maybe i don't know uh, patter do you want to talk to us about a little bit about the, the the work that you guys have been doing so so if listeners haven't read the article from the ditch which is in this it's in the podcast now you're able to read it while you're listening folks but nonetheless if you, if you want to give us a, a 
breakdown of what you guys have been doing. Absolutely. And thanks, first of all, gentlemen, for having us on this podcast. So ultimately what we're doing is we're using existing planning legislation to regulate the Airbnb market. As of 2019, all short-term lets in this jurisdiction, well, the 26 banks at least have to have planning permission. And following uh, a parliamentary question that I planted last July uh, in cooperation with Hina Halpin in Dublin, that um, we discovered that less than 1% of Airbnb's slash short-term lets bothered seek planning permission. So what we're doing is we're basically we're chasing up with them using the local authorities as regulatory agents to coerce, I suppose, um, short-term let the predominant number of which are Airbnbs into uh, planning permission. The idea is Johnny or Mary landlord is probably not going to pay five grand for the um, for us fine and then have to then seek planning permission thereafter. What they're more likely to do is they're more likely to sell up or indeed rent it to the market. And of the 25,000 short-term lets in the country, we consider it a victory if we could get 12, 12 and a half of them back to the market, either renting or for sale. Because if that number of houses were returned to the housing, rental or sale market, prices would all, of course, promise. Ryan, before you go there, do you want to have to repeat those numbers? 25,000 homes in the short-term market, uh, and you're only look, you're looking to return half of them. So uh, just let's start. There's our baseline, Martin. Go ahead. Yeah. Brian, going to ask you this because people are going to ask this question. What is wrong with operating Airbnb or any other short-term let without looking for, for planning permission? And what are the consequences? Yeah, first of all, Gurmila, for having us on. I'm very so welcome. To be here. Um, yeah, I suppose there's nothing wrong with like trying to use property as efficiently as possible. And that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to make sure that if there's housing in the market, that it's being used as fairly and adequately as possible. So I know I have personal family experiences with homelessness. There are 11,000 homeless people in Ireland. Over 3,000 of that 11,000 are homeless children. There are people hoteling in homes and homeless in hotels. It's absolutely disgraceful. So when we look at the way we're organizing our housing system and we have councils and the Department of the Minister for Housing looking at housing and they're saying, okay, people are there's a certain amount of homes in place and people want to convert their home, their second home, their third home, their fourth home from a house that's for themselves into a commercial entity that's for profit. Instead of having 400 euros a month for a house, it's 200 euros a night for a house that could be easily replaced with a hotel that's more purpose built. When we allow this system to go completely unregulated, when literally 16,000 entire homes and apartments are on the market as short-term lets instead of homes for every human being and a family with children, we're basically throwing the people of Ireland to the wolves. They're never going to be able to find appropriate accommodation that you can raise a family in, that you can build your life in. And what we can do here with the regulatory system is basically just hold them to account. Say you aren't paying your, your bills, you're not paying uh, the correct taxes, you're not um, filing your permission from the council. From the years 2019 to 2021, um, there was 29 applications to Dublin City Council for planning permission, and only five of them were approved by the council because it's not on, it's not effective use. And what happens is if you don't get planning permission, you get a letter in the door from the department that says you can be subject to a fine from court of up to five grand or up to six months of basically uh, detainment um, through the criminal process. 
So I don't think they're going to go down the criminal process first. They're going to say, look, we know you've messed up here. We know you're breaking the law. Pay up. And I think once people see the fines coming in, they're going to have to sell. I think that's going to flood the market with properties. So those 11,000 people are going to see 16,000 homes up for grabs. And that's how we make a difference with the homeless crisis overnight. That's a fabulous idea, Brian. And hey, mostly, I'm jealous that I didn't come up with it myself. That's, that's mad. I've told you but, that. I am but, jealous. Potter, uh, you, you, um, you wanted to talk to us about the, the uh, issues around planning permission and why this is important and what it means for, for us as, as, an Irish, as our society. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, in the first instance, if I'm going to operate a business and stick to the rules, it's a bit of kick it in the teeth if I see, like, um, another business down the road, which is what essentially short-term that is, operating in impunity without planning permission. The second more important function of planning is that it allows the county or city planners to use the framework of the county or the city development and economic plan that's voted through democratically by our elected officials at council level. So essentially somebody bypassing or usurping, bypassing the planning system is usurping the democratic process indirectly, which is unacceptable. Um, so that's, that's I suppose, the second point. But like, I mean, like Brian said, this is the lever the government could pull overnight if it wanted to, to return a minimum of 12,000 houses to the market, probably closer to 25,000 houses to the market. Again, can, no, so Martin, ahead, I, can, I really want to, I really want to push on this a little bit because the the we we're in a position whereby we know that the vast vast majority of the properties that are in these short term lets and and we always focus on Airbnb, but you know it's the likes of Booking dot com as well that 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 use this, but they're they're not compliant yet. And Martin, we had a conversation with with Joe Pina from the Portuguese government a few months ago, and they were talking about saying, look. We actually want to stop any new licenses. So, so they, these are the people who are actually playing by the rules in in Portugal and places like Lisbon. They're saying, and they were they're afraid that you know it's it's driving people out of the city. So, so in in a sense, can either of you sort of say like you know in Cork, for example, where 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 you're both where you're both um, currently now, what what is the kind of level and how is what sort of impact is that having say on the likes of um, the short term the short term that's having an impact on student accommodation for people. Certainly. Like, for example, we have filed close on 100 forms at this point. We have 371 in total to, to tackle in Cork. I mean, as a student myself, I'm close on 700 euro a month for rent in a pretty pretty grand house. But I mean, it's 371 houses were suddenly all of a sudden available to the renters slash buying market. The price of my rent would drop because the demand on, there would be excess supply in comparison to demand. So that... I could go, I could go shopping for another apartment if my rent was too high. Landlords will then drop the price to their, to what the market will then pay into. Likewise, if, if when I'm finished college, I hope one day to buy all. Oh, if 371 houses in Port City were suddenly on the housing market, the price of the overall house that I would have to buy would be significantly lower than what it is now. Okay. Yeah, I, I, Pater, I, dis- I disagree with you on, on, on price, price elasticity when it comes to the property market, but I do think in the rental market you've got to make a very good point because land, the market will pay what it what was what the what the unfortunately the tenant must bear currently. But at the same time, when it comes to when it comes to the the likes of this, it's it's like I, I remember the last time we spoke to Seamus Coffee. 
who is a is a lecturer in 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 UCC. I think at once at one stage it was like four homes available around UCC available currently available online for for rent for students, which is just. And then you've got students who are competing against families who are competing about people who want to actually turn them into these short term lets. Um, Brian, is it is it is it enough? This is it is it is it underestimated how many of these properties there are because. You know, I will hear it. I hear it all the time that there, there's, there's actually, be, you know, it's it. They wouldn't make that big an impact, sure. If if we regulated them, really, it wouldn't really make that much of a difference. I don't think it is underestimated. Uh, oh no, it is probably underestimated. Apologies. Yes. Um. I mean, we're looking at let's say Airbnb as one company, but there's countless companies, and some of them are going to be quite covert in the way they're advertised. Like I know uh, myself as a student, every year we look for housing, and every year you, it, it's impossible to find it on daft.ie. And for example, I know I was recently at a student expo where they said if the average rent a student can make, uh, student, uh, uh, average income of a student is 750 euros a month and average rent for a student purpose built accommodation can be over a thousand euros, uh, over a thousand euros. So the accommodation that's built for students is actually unsustainable. It's a luxury accommodation. It's not affordable. So what we do as students is we go on social media, Facebook, group chats. I'm moving out of this house because I'm final year. I know they will rent to students. Do you want it? It's not even officially listed for or standard income. So I don't know how all of these Airbnbs are going to be, uh, how all of these short-term nets are going to be held to account because I know Airbnb is a massive one, but there's much more websites. There's HomeHack, booking.ie, there's countless websites and we just have to make sure we find them to make sure they are being held account and that those properties are available for everyone to rent. And if I can for a second, I want to come back to what Peter said about the county development plan because it's really important. The only true power that county councils have is is the development plan. That's that's the only true power they have. And if they are doing an entire planning process for a county without including the the unlawful Air, Airbnb or short term lets, they are calculating. X number of people will be living in that county and all the services are then dependent upon that number. But that number is a false number from the get go. And everybody knows it is. So the county development plan itself is flawed by the false data being put into it. 100% like you're is that in that case development and it's only best informed when the local authority or city authority have the numbers of commercial properties, domestic properties, businesses that are registered with them, if they're operating blind, for example, Cork City, not having having less than a 20 such short list registers, that's the guts of 350 properties that the city council can't provide services for or doesn't know to provide services for to expanded services to meet that population. Likewise, for both there and for Irish Rail, for any disfranchise offices, um, potentially feeding into like economic development plans too. So I would say that the lack of these short-term lettings being on the radar of the local authority is doing further harm to wider aspects of our community. But largely, the the the, the greatest harm they're causing is that of housing. But I would I wouldn't be surprised if the lack of their appearance on the informing the county or city development plans isn't impinging on the provision of services to everyone really. 
I have to say, you know, and and I don't mean to just to go too broad on this, but it's it's all part of a of of a, of a link. It's a chain. It's a link in a chain. Um, the new planning bill that's winding its way through is trying to remove the ability of county councils that have only really one one bit of power that they have, which is the city plan, and they're trying to remove that at the moment, which is just a staggering thing. So what little power county council county councillors elected representatives have, and I know I mock them all the time, but I'm because I'm kind of fed up of seeing some county councillors saying delighted that South County Dublin have um, accepted my proposal that you know flakes in ninety nines must be at least three and a half inches long or something. This is the only power they have nowadays is that actual city county plan development plan. And yeah, that's all they have. And then when you're saying that the, that the data they have that they're working from is so skewed that it's that it actually means that it's not even going to be what do we say all the time Martin what gets measured gets done yeah well we'll so say for you, example 350 extra businesses because that's what they are businesses in yes Cork. but not just that it's, I, I want to pick on Cork for a while because um, obviously Jude and, and, and Frank um, from, from Anish uh, have done brilliant work on their election in Cork and you know they've been they've done a better job of it than than any of the 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 state departments. Brian, you're nodding your head there. It must be frustration though, because you sit there and you go buy all of these derelict buildings, and and then you know that couple that with the the short term lets. And if it must it 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 makes for like because there should be plenty of space in Cork. There really is. It's just not it's just not allocated correctly. Absolutely. I don't know. Um, I've worked with Frank and Adjude, of course, in the past, and they're wonderful to work with. Brilliant. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever looked at the council list for derelict properties, but um, as a student activist, I was looking for every individual derelict property in Cork City and seeing is there any place a student movement could actually say, look, we'll buy this plot and see if we can develop it as such um, for like a cooperative system. And we could maybe have a non, you know, a landlord list, a property that we could get run as a charity effectively. And I remember there's only like 127 or something I checked. Basically, none of the properties that are derelict in Cork City are registered derelict. But you go on to Anish's Twitter page, their Instagram page, they do a derelict tour of Cork City. They walk past the streets and they see literally hundreds of buildings rotting, some of which are outside UCC. I mean, I'm in UCC now. I can look across the street and see a derelict building one minute walk from main campus. And it's completely ridiculous that not only is there such a pressing housing emergency, where there is perfectly maintained short-term lets completely being held out from anyone who wants to live in a home permanently. But there's also houses rotting that are perfectly valid if we only had the courage to you know, buy them back as a council. But the council, you, you spoke earlier, council are being stripped of their power, they're being stripped of money. They have no ability to really fight this at the moment. And what we have to do now is take direct action ourselves as citizens to get at least the short-term lets, make sure people can move into houses immediately. And then long term, find the funding and find the administrative resource power to bring those houses back online. Martin, I know you, I know you want to come in, but here's the here's the thing, and I'm going to credit Martin, and I seldom say anything nice about you, pal. But you have always talked about the fact that we 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 were activists first before we were podcasters. Absolutely, hundred percent. And what and what Brian and Patter have outlined is that they actually are activists, and they but they require other activists to step up here, don't this they? Is, this is it. Okay, so let let me just nutshell for a you, second. You, if you, you go there. Yeah. Okay, okay. You live in an area where you can't rent, where you can't. We'll say Cork City, where the rents are so. Can high. we? Can we? Have yet that and say that we it's we don't know if Cork is actually a city, but go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, so the rents are so high. You're powerless. 
there's nothing you can do about it. Well, what the guys are doing is saying, yes, there is. There is a way to tackle this. Now, all you got to do is follow the plan the guys are laying out. Now, they're going to try and cut all the edges off it. They're going to try and make it as simple as possible. And they're starting in Cork. But the other city that's begging for this is Dublin. Now, the lads aren't in Dublin, but there are plenty of people in Dublin who can follow the plan that the guys are laying out. So, guys, plan. Tell me about the plan. So, yeah, what we have at the moment in Cork City is we have the short-term um, letting complaint form. So, essentially, um, we'll, keep, we'll keep this as generic as we can, but anyone listening in wanting to, you know, to make short, short-term let task, what they can do is they can contact their planning authority and uh, request the short-term complaint form. Then all they have to do is fill it out. They don't need to print it off. They can type it away on a computer. It takes us about five to seven minutes per firm or per firm, my apologies. So it, it really doesn't take longer than five to seven minutes to, to fill out the forms. But it, it, the, the nuts and bolts of actually finding the Airbnb is difficult. Like they have purposely kept it difficult. So I suppose I'm happy to give out my email address if anyone wants well, to get in touch with me. Before, before we do that, Patter, you can, we might put it in the actual, in the podcast or in parts of the podcast. I, I don't want you reading it out on, on, online if you don't mind, because we, we you know, yeah, it, it, fair is fair. And, and I really appreciate you, you offering that. But, but, but just to continue on that vein, so this is something that is replicable. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. Like, 100%. I left Brian in there. Oh, yeah. So, um, 100%. It's a very replicable system. Um, what we're doing here is most of the planning authorities have a similar system. We just need to get the form, make sure we read it to make sure if there are differences, we're catching it. And actually, this Saturday, we're going to be hosting a bit of a Q&A session with anyone, whether they're from Maynooth or from UL, um, different places across the country, people who are interested in this. I know Wexford has a group of um, renters unions uh, act- act- activists who are very interested in this. But basically, we're going to show them, here's how we did it in Cork. Uh, here's how you can do it uh, yourself. Just let us know in advance. We can pull out the form for Wexford or the form for Limerick. And we're going to show people that you can do this yourself. You can pass on this information very easily to your friends, your colleagues, your activist uh, networks. And I think by doing one effective showcase in Cork, we can create the blueprint to spread that across the country. And it won't be just to students reporting all of Dublin. It will be everyone who sees this as a real pathway forward. And judging by the feedback we've got so far, I think we're getting a lot of support, a lot more than we ever really anticipated. People are interested in this fight, and I think it could be done by this time next year. Mm. I want to jump in there because you say to students, guys, and this is where I, this is where, this is why we're doing the podcast. What you're doing is extraordinary. What you've done in, in, in finding this pathway is extraordinary, absolutely extraordinary. It is a way for every person in this country to participate, to actually participate in creating a better rental market. We don't need the permission of Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael, the Greens, or anybody else. This is outside of their remit. So if you care, if you want to see prices or you want to see some effect that people can have some effect, this is the way to do it. This is it. 
I think it's a fabulous idea, Tony. Can what do you think? Uh, well, I've got one question for the lads because they've hinted at it, and I want to I want to get if there's any sort of tips out there. They've hinted at the it's the difficulty of identifying the property and how do you you know how do you how do you do that? So I think that's important because you know it's I I always go back to it, um, and it's really topical right now. Because we've got this thing around the Good Friday Agreement being 25 years old. We've got Joe Biden here talking about securing peace. And we've a lot of people telling young people like Brian and Patter that, you know, you don't remember your history. You don't remember all of these things. And I and I, and then I have to go back to another outfit like myself and Emmett Kirwan who said, Martin, and you recall, he said, he said, we of course remember the history. They know all of, they know about the troubles. They know about what happened. They know about the awful things that the events that may have happened. But they're more worried about whether the landlord is going to serve them a notice to quit or give them an eviction letter or tell them that next door, you, you know, your neighbor that you had is now going to be an Airbnb or a short term let. And that's how we kind of that's the that's the truth. And that's why people are priced out. So, lads, what are the tricks of, of finding them? How do you how do you do it if you if you suspect that there's a, you know, one of these um the, the little box where there's a key left in it uh, with, with a keypad on it. How, how, how do we go from there? Um, yeah, absolutely. So two websites are really, really essential here. Aircode.ie and Inside Airbnb uh, Ireland. So what you can do there is you can toggle down for every local authority in the country on Air, Inside Airbnb to see the Airbnbs in your area. Um, a, a collection of universities and planning institutes have, have publicly funded this information to be available to the public. And then what we're doing is we're just cross-corresponding with the Aircode map and the inside Airbnb map to make sure that we've got the full address of the property and so that the planning authority, be it in Cork City Council or elsewhere, has the full address of the property so that they can conduct their own door-knocking investigations and, where appropriate, issue letters. And so ultimately what we were really keen to, to do here is to do as much of the investigative work as possible. So all that really needs to be done at the end by the planning officials is to dot the I's and cross the T's on the letters. But we were keen to show them that it can be done with relative ease. And that, that's essentially what it, it boils down to. It's just cross-referencing one map against the other, generating an address and sending the form into the, to the local authority. And I'm right about this, lads. You're not, you know, you you don't need ownership of this project. You're quite happy if a computer boffin comes along, comes up with an algorithm that does all this for you and hands it to you. You're very happy to take any help that comes with it. Any help, absolutely. And it, it doesn't even have to be a computer boffin. Anyone can request these files from their planning authority. You don't need to be anybody. I mean, neither me or Brian or anybody. We're just everyday normal citizens seeing a problem and seeing a solution. If we have a computer boffin, absolutely wonderful. But um, absolutely anybody can send a form in at any time. And there is great satisfaction with signing the form, getting it in, knowing that you're contributing to a solution for the housing market. And it only takes seven minutes. Seven, seven minutes. minutes. Yeah. Or how's that? How's that for pocket size activism? It's brilliant, isn't it? It's just brilliant. You can even do it from your armchair. So you could be an armchair activist. It's brilliant. It's just it's, it's brilliant. And I know you say it's just too ordinary, okay, but it's brilliant. It's brilliant. We're very well done. Really well done. No, I, I will. I will echo that. It's it's great when when the systems that sometimes are put up to almost make things seem more complicated can be turned back on the institutions or the or the or the um, 
the uh, idea, the 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 organizations and structures that, that are pushing back and this was a, a really easy way of doing it we've seen how things can be used to make things difficult for people but this is a little bit of activism all of you listening can do and i know there's going to be thousands of you listening so and you'll be looking and you go i know about this i know about that well then you know what there will be a link that will be in the bio it'll say click here and if uh, if all goes well and you're interested we will we'll connect people with uh, with patter and brian and um, but i would say the lads above all else you know that's that's active citizenship isn't it martin oh completely completely i am i am desperately jealous and impressed utterly impressed and i think that this is this has legs beyond a lot of other things that i've heard about this has legs this is direct action direct citizen action to actually you know make a difference in the housing market how could we not embrace this and I know, Tony, we'll be coming back to the chaps and other angles of this yeah. again and again and again. So, you know, the lads are in Cork. They're doing great work in Cork. Well, Dublin is just sitting there wide open for this. And, you know, anything we can do to push this along, great. It does worry me that you keep wanting to say Cork. I don't know for whose benefit you want to say it or is it just to upset me? Um, no, I do want to thank Brian. I want to thank Patter for their time. I am... Um, there are, as I said, lads. This is this is one of those podcasts that if you think someone uh, comes to mind immediately when you hear it, share it with them. Have them listen to it and have them see if they think they can add a spin to it. You know, we, we're big on. Um, Simon McGar told us years ago to make sure you take the edges off. You simplify the process. You make that as easy for people to to literally do the work of what the guys are doing. So, if, so if you've got ways of doing it, that's on you now as you're listening. So, the, so one, one thing we will mention tony is all of these things need a wet signature that's the one key and we have to mention that you can't just do it by email you mm. have to have a wet signature on the thing you send so you know just when you're doing it wet signature it's very important so one thing we will say actually that the city council changed their policy for us to send in digital signatures they were happy with us just having our name in it but I mean, that's obviously dependent on the county council. What we what we didn't want at the start was to um, to send in, for example, eighty forms to find we had to redo them again if we if we if we if we kind of fucked them up, I suppose. But <laughs> uh, um, no, it, it kind of depends on the local authority. So I'd urge anyone who's getting in active and getting this done in their area, confirm that with the authority first that you can have a digital signature that it might or might not need to be a uh, a wedding signature. Brian, Adder, I'm very impressed. Thank you very much for coming on, having this conversation. I'm impressed in a number of ways, and I'm always impressed, and we are always impressed, Tony, about the Stop. young people in Ireland and how bloody great they are. You don't bloody get to speak for me. You don't get to we speak. We do, and you no. love the young people in Ireland, even though he's a company all ours. He I, I, I'm the activism, and he does love it, and what you're doing is brilliant, and I hope there are thousands upon thousands more like you listen lads um, thanks for the work you do we will be back soon folks we have uh, I've been put in touch with uh, and it's funny he's talking to law students I've been put in touch with a law student in Palestine that we'll be talking to um, early next week and Jana Lyons will be joining us uh, from the INTO as well as I've said so so there's loads more coming um, I will say that I hope for your sake both of you that when you do qualify you'll you know come to Dublin and uh, live a full life and a happy life you know there <laughs> <laughs> not stuck in car. Not stuck. <laughs> <laughs>
It's it, it's a Not go on, uh, go on, Brian. I give you a right to reply. <laughs> propaganda, double propaganda. <laughs> Thanks for listening, folks. We'll talk to you all very very soon. Take care. Bye bye. Tony and Martin, Martin and Tony, speaking to interesting people only. It's the Echo Chamber podcast. Subscribe now on Patreon.